nothing is quite like watching a Blue Jackets Penguins game for me. Um, I'm excited. I'm standing most of the game. Every moment of it, I'm just on the edge of my my seat and my nerves on what will happen when they win. I'm as high as I can be when they lose. It, it feels like my soul has been crushed. And and those games are just have that extra something in it for me. Now, if you're looking for a way to get that little extra excitement in any game or or you're wanting to look at a way of, of saying, hey, I think I understand hockey better than, than other people, and you want to look at turning that into a little bit of cash, uh, we've got our friends here at the, the Hockey Podcast Network at mybookie.ag. Now, the guys at mybookie.ag, they give you so many ways to win, so many games to play, everything from obviously picking winners and losers to picking division winners to picking who's going to win a cup or just prop bets like who's going to score the next goal, all sorts of stuff. MyBookie has the best payouts and better odds than a lot of sports books do. You can risk a lot or as little on as many games as you want, so it really fits what you want to do with it. Now, And with Christmas around the corner, there's daily gifts, free plays, free spins, a lot more on the site there. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. That means if you deposit $100, you'll get an extra $50 to play with. Deposit $200, you get an extra $100. You get it. Just use the promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, THPN, to activate the offer and take advantage of this great deal. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get money. This is the Shoot Once Podcast. I'm Frank Walker. Welcome back to the Shoot Once Podcast, where the hits just keep on coming. So for an episode like tonight's, I've got my gin and tonic ready because I just <sighs> you don't really know what to do anymore uh, as a Blue Jackets fan, and it's a weird situation to be in because again, if I look at the Blue Jackets teams of ten years ago uh, and told them, "Oh, this is a team that as of today is in a playoff spot." And it's not, you know, November. They'd be blown away. They wouldn't know what to do with that information. But not only is there that higher standard anymore that you want to make the playoffs, you want to be a competitive team. But I don't know what you do with all these injuries at this point. This is just bizarre. And and the weird thing is, if you're a Blue Jackets fan... And you've been around the team for a few years. You remember this happening before. Uh, there was a season. I, I forget exactly when it was. I'm, I want to say it was 2012, maybe. I don't remember exactly. But the team, they were coming off what looked like a, a I forget if it was something where they'd made the playoffs or they'd like gotten close. And then it looked like things were going well. And it was like, oh, things are going to go great. And it was... And then the wheels came off, and they had all these injuries, and it just the whole year it was injury after injury. And this year feels the same way, except that the season hasn't fallen apart with it. If you've been, if you haven't been exposed to the news yet, uh, with a hairline fracture in his ankle, the Blue Jackets have lost Seth Jones uh, for what's essentially the remainder of the regular season. I think that I think the official thing was eight weeks, six to eight weeks, something like that. Uh, and it lines up almost perfectly right to the end of the season. That's just where he is. Um, that, that's that's where this team is at that point. Um, 
so that's I mean that's where we are right now with him. Cam Atkinson's back to two to three weeks. Uh, he was dealing with that high ankle sprain. Now it's back. Uh, and it's the kind of thing he's just got to play through and maybe never fully heals quite right. So who knows? And then as the icing on the cake, David Savard, don't worry, he's not hurt. But him and his wife welcomed a new baby into the world. Hooray! And so he didn't travel with the team to Buffalo, so he may not be there for the game against Buffalo on Thursday night. Uh, which might be when you're listening to this. Maybe you're listening to the Friday edition on our, our individual feed. I don't know. But it's just one of those things where, where every inch of this team's depth is being tested at this point. And, and we drink. So... Um, the Blue Jackets have called Liam Foudy back up. He's apparently going to be with the team in Buffalo and then goes right back down to London. That Okay, so... Well, let's get into the show proper, um, how we do this, and then we'll we'll discuss all the different things. Where the Blue Jackets are. And again, I'm talking like it's the end of the world. As of today, according to Dom LeShusion with The Athletic, they have a 56% chance of making the playoffs. They are projected to finish with 97.1 points. According to his projections, they would be the last seed in, which is just incredible. When you look at the standings, as of today, the Blue Jackets are the number one wild card. So letting you see it, if the playoffs started today, round one would be Boston hosting Philly, and the rest of the Atlantic would be Tampa hosting Toronto. The Metropolitan would be Washington hosting the Blue Jackets in the first round, and then Pittsburgh hosting the Islanders. Out west, eh. what would it be? Is St. Louis still in the lead? Yeah, St. Louis would host Arizona. Although that, again, the Pacific is just so close. Who knows what's going to happen? Colorado would host Dallas, uh, and then the Pacific, Vancouver would host the Vegas Golden Knights, and we get Edmonton and Calgary, which would be glorious, and I pray for that moment. That would be so good. The Blue Jackets have played twice since we've last spoken. Was it just twice? Has it been three times? I I honestly don't remember. So the last show we would have done would have been Sunday. So they've only played one since we talked. So Tampa. And the Tampa game was both really fun to watch because the Blue Jackets, even as beaten up as they were, played well and lost the game. I'm not going to say it was just because Zach Rinsky's bad turnover, but I mean, when you have that big a mistake in overtime and it leads directly to a goal, it's hard not to say that. When it was 5-on-5, five five, they were holding the scoring chances. They had uh, 58% of the scoring chances at 5-on-5, five five, or 58% of the expected goals for it at 5-on-5, five five, scoring venue adjusted for natural stat trick. They, I I believe they, they outplayed the Lightning in the game, um, especially when you look at the fact that how far the Blue Jackets were down at that point. Um, that was our first game, yeah, without Seth Jones. So that was that was not great. But it, it was another game where you look at the 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 heat maps, um, which are again really fun to look at on Natural Stat Trick, and you go into the full game reports to see those. 
And at 5-on-5, the Blue Jackets did exactly what the Blue Jackets are good at. They got a lot of their quality chances right in close to the net. Um, Although in this game, both defenses did a pretty good job. The Blue Jackets kept the majority of the, uh, the, the, the Lightning's shots as far back as the as far as back as the dots if not further. So I mean that's that's really good. That's what you want to see. So I mean it's it's not a bad thing at all. It was a uh they played really well. Um that's why it's such a frustrating thing to lose that kind of game. When when you outplay the opponent, Alvy Bjorkstrand looks amazing, looks incredible. I'm so happy to have a player of that caliber on this team. Something that in our in our chat with the guys from Blue and Golden Dalene, hope y'all enjoyed that. Uh that we highlighted. I mean, it was, he mentioned, uh, Alfred Brookstrand looking like a great second line player. I'm starting to wonder, given a full season, if Oliver Brookstrand, if he can get a full season healthy and if he starts looking like a first liner at this point, we'll see. But it, it it's the frustration of you lose a game that you probably shouldn't have lost against a very good team along with all this injury news hitting in. I saw some people there. We have, we're hitting the age old debate of, uh, we need to protect players from themselves. When Seth Jones was hurt, they should have pulled him off the ice right there. It's one of those things where you may not... In the heat of the moment, I think it's tough. Now, maybe maybe we change the whole context of this, and maybe things change where you have a doctor pull players off and, and do full examinations in the middle of a game and all that. But my guess as to what happened is, because it was a hairline fracture, it's not like he couldn't stand... And we've seen many times where hockey players talk about how, you know, essentially the hockey skate just holds everything in place. So while it hurts, you're not sure, is it, does it feel structurally pain or is it just something else or does it just a stint? And, and he seemed to be in pain throughout the rest of that game. Uh, but it's, my guess is he just thought it was eh. And because of the movement, range of movement he had on it, he thought he felt okay to keep playing. He stayed out there. Now, I'm not going to advocate that every player should do that. I'm not going to say go out there and be the tough guy and all that. But, but uh, you know, it, it's it's what he did. He decided to go back out there and keep playing. I, at this point, at this point in the season, it's a real rough feeling as a Blue Jackets fan because you're so beat up at this point. There's so many guys down. Who was it? I was listening to the Hockey Central at noon the other day, and Jeff Merrick was reading off the list of the guys who'd been who'd missed significant time for the Blue Jackets. And one of the co-hosts responded with, "That sounds like a pretty good team," because it was it's just that's where we are at this point. I mean, at this point, the injured reserve, according to Cap Friendly, is Seth Jones, Alexander Wenberg, Ryan Murray, Josh Anderson, Alexander Texier, and Dean Kukin. And then I I don't think they've added Cam to it yet. I'm not sure if he's officially going on the IR. I'm not sure if that designation matters for him. But then add Cam Atkinson to that. That's some of our best offensive players. That's our, our one of our best defensemen, either him or Wierenski. And we're just having to figure it out. This, this is crazy. And they're still in a playoff spot. That's the crazy thing. That is the weird, bizarre moment in all this. And when you look at the games coming up, so let's say Cam, it's two weeks. Two weeks from today. So who do we have? Who do we get in the next two weeks? Tomorrow night, Thursday night, the Blue Jackets play Buffalo. That's a team they can beat. 
Buffalo's not great. Now, again, Buffalo beat them in overtime the other week, but it's a winnable game. Then they get the Rangers at home. The Rangers are good. Um, their their goalie, Shashurkin, or whatever his name is, is playing really well. So that's going to be a tough one. But it's still a winnable game. Sunday, they go to Jersey. They can beat the Devils. I, I get the feeling that next week is going to be where all the decisions are happening and where everything is just trying to get figured out because here's the big one, folks. Next Tuesday, we go to Philadelphia. And then Thursday, Philadelphia comes to us. And that's the end of week one without Cam. Week two, we go to Nashville. Then Ottawa comes to us. We go to Minnesota. And it ends with Minnesota coming to us. They're not... You could win a bunch of those games. And it's that tricky thing of... As good as this team has been. As good as they've dealt with injuries. And the fact that they've still got a bunch of injuries. If they can stay in the fight for these two weeks. And say in two weeks we get Cam back and we get Josh back. All of a sudden this looks like a team that has a lot more ability to go out there and maybe start winning hockey games. I I don't remember what Anderson or what Wenberg's prognosis is. But maybe you start getting some of these guys back and start getting this going again. I mean it's. It's it's going to be something. I mean, it, it's crazy to think where this season is. I am, in many ways, just kind of beside myself thinking about it. It's so strange. So ESPN put out a really good article this week. Um, all the people out there who think ESPN doesn't talk about hockey, and they don't do it as much as they should. Uh, but if you follow me on Twitter, you see me just giving, giving it every day to NBCSN because, man, NBCSN. Let's talk about NBCSN for a second because it, it just it just occurred to me that I want to talk about how badly they messed up this whole schedule change. So I get that the NBCSN's like, hey, we want to show Ovechkin because he's in this thing to try and get his 700th goal, and that's a big historical moment. And I get that. That makes sense. And I know a lot of hack, hockey, Blue Jackets fans were hacked off about, oh, this is our national game, and you're taking it off of us because you hate Columbus. You had a big story. You go to make that play. I, I understand that. I'm not going to throw a, be upset about that. What I will be upset about is that you messed up in getting the game switched around the, say, the way you said you'd do it. Because the way it was supposed to work is, in the local market, both Columbus and Tampa, they would get the Blue Jackets and the Lightning. And then the rest of the nation would get uh, Washington and Philadelphia. I am a streamer. I stream all my entertainment online, uh, and I use YouTube TV. Nobody told YouTube TV to change what they were doing. I found out the day of the game, I got on customer support with YouTube TV and was chatting with them, and they said, we don't have anything from NBCSN telling us to change. And I was and that's, so it was on NBCSN. And from what I saw, it looked like they'd made that mistake a lot of places. And it just goes to show that to NBC, the NHL is not a priority. Because they don't work to get it right. And then it's like, oh, go watch it on their app. Which the app, I mean, worked as much as the NBC app works. Which is to say poorly. Because between, I've let you give me a background of my setup. I've got a Samsung smart TV. I have the YouTube TV app that just plays on it. And I have an NBC sports app that just plays on it. The NBC sports app had a worse picture quality. Um, 
had this weird thing where the sound would just cut out like for a minute at a time every like five to ten seconds it would just go silent for a second and then kick back in and it's real distracting and unnerving and weird and man nbc just doesn't care about covering the nhl i i honestly want the nhl to to just tell nbc to pack it and go away in the next tv negotiations i want to see the nhl go to networks that care and will treat their product like it's something worth looking at you gotta think espn would like to fill some airtime with some hockey and that they would you know put you maybe back on espn 2 or the original espn and maybe give you a show like the jump which would be amazing instead of you go to nbcsn and i put this on twitter today but i'm just gonna say it now because i'm on my rant and that's where i'm going with today's show because it's all rants folks that's where we are it's all rants all the way down First injury is now NBCSN, and we're going to get to the big one here in a second. Um, I turn on I turn on ESPN today because um, I get the chance to turn on daytime television when I'm home, and I, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll see what an ESPN. It's it's the NFL's off season, right? So they've got an hour and a half show of NFL Live. Now they talk a lot of XFL because hey, they broadcast it, and it's football to talk about while they're doing stuff. But they do an hour and a half football show during the off season. During every day. And then an hour after that, they do an NBA show, which is a really good show, The Jump. I think The Jump's – I don't even care that much about the NBA, but I find The Jump to be an interesting show to follow, and I think it's well done. I'm like, oh, well, maybe and, – and I know this isn't true, but I every I look occasionally just in vain, hoping for the best, thinking NBCSN will have some type of hockey coverage during the day, something to, to match what – NFL Live and the jump are to their respective fan bases to hockey. No, nah, man, it's car auctions. Like a three-hour show about car auctions. And then there's another like hour show after it about something else to do with cars. Not a motorsports guy. And I guess that's for NBC, NBCSN. That's a big deal as motorsports. But the thing is, this is like every day. There's hours and hours of car auctions, and I don't even know what they're showing anymore. It's crazy. It is nuts. <sighs> okay, so ESPN did an article that I thought was really well put together. Uh, I think it was Wyshynski, and I think Kaplan worked on it too. Uh, Wyshynski's got the byline. But where it's cool, because a lot of these places will do, uh, like TSN does their trade bait list, and they rank guys and all that. Where I like this is, what they did was they talked about NHL trade asset tiers. And it was, they divided up by, you know, uh, rentals with center wing defense and then with term center wing defense and goalies. Um, and then they put it, they put it in as wild cards. Players like Josh Anderson, where it's like, well, maybe he moves, maybe he doesn't. Uh, Max Domi with the Canadians, maybe he moves, maybe he doesn't, that sort of thing. And in my mind, Where I'm, I'm, what I really liked about it was because it allowed me to look at these trade boards and go, okay, what makes sense for the Blue Jackets? Because there's there's a couple of guys who I think make a lot of sense for this team. Um, starting off, centers with term. Uh, there's one guy at centers with term that I'm eh on, and that is Kyle Turris. 
And he's a big maybe for me. Because he's the kind of center where you just wonder if he's just not, if it just hasn't worked out well for him in Nashville. And, and you kind of wonder if Nashville knows what they're doing with uh, with these guys, really. Because, I mean, Johansson, he's had a good season, but it seems like, at, like a lot of good centers go there and then have the worst parts of their career. Ryan Johansson looked like he was on his way up in Columbus and then goes to Nashville. It's, eh. Matt Duchesne, great in Colorado, looked really good in Ottawa. In his short run with the CBJ, very good player, great playoff player. Goes to Nashville, eh. Fine. He's fine. But, I mean, you look at some of these players, like Ryan Johansson. He's He's got his $8 million deal. And I, what was it? I want to say his stats this year. I don't think he's got the, he's got 11 goals, 20 assists, 31 points. For an $8 million center, he's got 31 points. Um, and again, I know points aren't a great way of doing it, but it's a simple, quick way to try and evaluate what's going on. In in comparison, Seth Jones as a defenseman has got 30 points this season. Now, granted, you're comparing one of the a really high-end defensemen in this league. But remember when that trade happened... Everybody talked about, oh, well, Ryan Johansson and Seth Jones, you got a great future center and a great future defenseman. Well, since then, Seth Jones has gotten to the point where people are like, oh, he's a perennial all-star. People are starting to ask that question about, okay, when's he finally going to start getting his uh, his consideration for uh, for a Norris? And that conversation hasn't happened with Ryan Johansson. It just hasn't happened. Um, so with, with Kyle Turris, I, I think he's a player that is interesting. And, and it's the kind of thing where, okay, here's the thing. He's 30. He's still got four more years after this one at $6 million a year. So if you're the Blue Jackets and you decide to take him, you buy low on him. Meaning you tell Nashville they have to eat some salary because you don't want $6 million a year on your books for a player that may not work out. Especially for how many years that is. But if he turns out well, you might have solved a second or third line center problem for years. You can keep people like Boone Jenner on the wing, or you can you know kind of replace an Alexander Wenberg. Honestly, maybe they'll take Wenberg. Wouldn't that be that'd be an interesting trade, wouldn't it? Wenberg for for Turris. They'd save one point one million a year on the cap, and we might get an upgrade at a center. I don't know. We'll see how that would go, but. It, it, that's a center that I'd be interested in if I'm the Blue Jackets. At least, at least if, looking into it. Again, that's a player that if you can buy low on, I might take it. Uh, and again, when I'm talking about these players, we're talking about players that I've got as I'm thinking about long term growth for the Blue Jackets here. Uh, and then the next section that I was interested in was wingers with term. There's a couple guys that I'm interested in. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen out of Toronto. He's going to be an RFA in 2022. He's only at 3.2 million. He's got 31 points in 55 games this year. He's a solid winger. Uh, I mean, obviously with Toronto, he doesn't play too high in the lineup because they've got so much forward talent. But I think in Columbus, I think he could do well. Uh, Again, we need more scoring. That's a big thing we need. So to get somebody like Kasperi Kapanen would be really good. I'd be really happy with that. Another name that's been thrown around is Thomas Tatar out of Montreal. 
He's got 51 points in 57 games this year, so he's having a really good year. 20 goals, 31 assists. Uh, the idea is the reason the the Canadians might want to trade him is that he could get you some good assets, but the the issue is because there's a year left on term, his price is going to be high. And you really don't want to pay a high price for a player if you're the Blue Jackets unless you're going to get them for term. Because as we've talked about on this show, this team really is looking at a next year, most likely the year after that being the year they're really going to be start saying we're going to be contending. So you, you don't want to just got, get somebody you're going to have for a year or two. That's where uh, a Casper Kapanen seems really useful to me because in 2022 he becomes an RFA. Uh, yeah, so that's the first year I'm thinking you're really in contention. And then as an RFA, you still control the rights. So you can sign him to the big deal then if you want to sign him to a big deal or if you want to move him or whatever you want to do. But he'd still be an RFA, so you're going to get a chance under team control. So so I find that to be – there, there's a lot of interesting scenarios with the trade deadline. And again, maybe the Blue Jacks are going to be in the same boat as the Canadians are where it depends where you're at in the standings. Because after these two to three weeks without Cam – and all this time without Seth. And who knows who the next one is because I just have this terrible feeling someone else will go. If in the next two weeks the Blue Jackets get, you know, a quarter of the points or a third of the points they could get and they fall completely out of the standings, you're not going to go trade and buy somebody for this season. Maybe you sell somebody to get more assets. I don't know. I it just it, This trade line is such a weird one. And you could even do nothing, and I think I'd be fine with that. We'll just we'll just see what happens. All right, final topic I'm going to hit tonight. And if you want to skip it, that's fine. I get it that people want to sometimes. And I've talked before that I try to keep this a family show as far as things that people can listen to in the car. But we're going to address the Jeremy Roenick story, which is going to have me reading quotes that I am not super happy with. Um, but you know what? I feel like I have to provide the context for this to make sense. So, uh, today, and I'll, I'll, what I'm reading from, the New York Post, uh, the, they have a good sports media dude. Actually, no, this wasn't written by him, but um, Molly Walker, they have, a, they have a good department there on this kind of stuff. And so today, Jeremy Roenick put something out on Twitter, put a little video, kind of a woe is me video about being, and he, he talks about, oh, I'm going to be back and better and all that stuff about being fired from NBC Sports. I give NBC Sports a lot of crap because how they cover the NHL. Now, let's get into it here a little bit. So, Roenick was suspended indefinitely, without pay, for making comments on Barstool Sports' Spit and Chicklets podcast. What he said... I'm just going to read from the article at this point. While appearing on the popular hockey podcast that went live on December 19th, Roenick recounted a trip. Now, the reason I said I'd try and keep this family-friendly is... Some of the things here may create questions in your children that you don't want to answer. So if you want, if you listen to this with your kids around, you can just hit mute until the end of the show. Or just be done. I, that's fine. Uh, recounted a trip he took to Portugal last summer with his wife and co-worker Catherine Tappen. Now some of the background is Jeremy Monick's wife and Catherine are close friends from what I understand. However, the story took a tasteless turn. I was the king of Portugal, Ronick said. When you walk into every place and you have two blonde bombshells on each side, your chest pops out a, little, a lot more. Then he recalled when a woman approached him to ask if his wife and Tappan were both with him, to which Ronick replied, yes, they are. And then Catherine says, will you shut up? She starts yelling at me, he continued. 
I'm guessing this is a jovial way of telling the story, obviously. I'm just reading it. I play it off like, you know, we're going to go to bed together every night, the three of us. Now, if it really came to fruition, that would be really good, but it's never going to happen. Later in the podcast, Ronick turned the conversation toward Patrick Sharp, a fellow hockey analyst on NBC. Their conversation moved over to whether Ronick, who was teammates with Sharp during their time on the Flyers, would sleep with Sharp. He is so beautiful. I'd think, have to think about it if he asked me, Ronick said. Yeah, one reposter said, I wouldn't say no right away, Ronick replied. Ronick did say positive things about both Sharp and Tappan during his time on the show, complimenting their professionalism and stating how much he enjoys working with them. But NBC announced the suspension five days later. Tappan released a statement through an NBC spokesman shortly after Ronick's suspension. While Jeremy and I continue to be good friends, what he said was unacceptable, she said, especially among workplace colleagues. I do not condone his comments. So, uh, if you go on the, if you go on Twitter, if you go online, just every conceivable version and take on this is going to happen. Normally, at least recently, when some different types of things have popped up, uh, when the when the Bill Peters and the the racism stuff came out, and there were questions about that, I I let that one sit, and the reason I did is, I said that other people I think said it better than I did. I feel like there's something personally I should say in this one. Because a lot of people are saying, ah, it's not a big deal. Ah, you can't joke anymore. Ah, it's the PC police. Okay, guys. I'm going to tell my story for a second. If you can't tell from my voice or that I call myself Frank, I am a man. Um, I was born a man. I am what we, in the common parlance, we now call cisgendered. I was born, get told, told, told I was a, you know, they with the check mark that I was a boy at birth I've always been a boy, I am married to a woman I am as straight and white as they come now that being said when you are born straight and white you tend to not a lot of times you don't get why other people would be offended by things you just don't I haven't for a long time. I still don't it sometimes. The only thing I can compare it to is that I am a man of ample carriage, as I will put it. And I've been that way for a long time. And when I was younger, when, you know, kids are mean, kids don't mind pointing out that you're fat. Kids don't mind laughing about you being fat. That's just a thing. That's a thing that happens because kids are mean and... And kids, they, they, they haven't pro- developed, properly developed empathy. Um, that being said, you always, when, when you're a kid who grew up fat, people tease you for being fat. There's always that party that's kind of eh, about your weight. Now, when you're an adult, nobody ever does that. Nobody ever teases you about that kind of stuff. But when you see someone being made fun of in a movie for it or something else, I mean, unless things are done very specifically, it's, you come back to those old feelings of how somebody's being made fun of. Now, what happens when you're being made fun of when you're a kid is everybody's gathering around and they're making fun of you and you, you feel powerless. You're just in the room. It's why it's why when kids get made fun of a lot, they tend to act out with throwing fists because you just don't have any power in that situation. Now, let's translate that to the modern day of where we are in the hockey world, folks. Hockey is a sport that for a long time and to a large extent still is mostly white men, especially when talking about the NHL, especially when talking about coverage of it, seeing it on TV, all of that. Something I will, I will always remember is 
this last year when the Destroyers came back, the arena football team in Columbus. I went to an arena football game. And for I, I looked over at my wife and I commented and I was like, I, I don't remember the last time I saw so many black people here. Because when you go to a Blue Jackets game, if you're sitting up in the higher stands and you look around, I mean, you can all, you can just start counting the the black and brown faces in the crowd, the people who are not white. There's not many of them on any given night. Go to an arena football game. I mean, it's it's a mix. It's everybody. Everybody's there. Um, so when you're in a sport that is like that, and when you're in a sport that tries to grow, as we've done, we've done all this. You can play stuff where it's it's about people of different races and pretty much anything that's not white or male come play hockey please come be a part of what we're doing when you're doing that you're now inviting people into that space and when you do it you have to realize that when you're doing it you're bringing them in as real people and that when you make a comment like what jeremy ronick does it's objectifying a person it is making them less because they're part of your story now and that's what's going on. That's the worth to it. And I know some of you are tuning me out now and saying, Frank, you're being overly dramatic. But when he tells the story, first of all, Ronick is volunteering this information. When you walk into the place and you have two blonde bombshells on each side, your chest pops out a little more. It's him feeling more valuable than himself because he's got this woman next to him who doesn't see him romantically, but he wants everybody else to see her that way, that she's romantically connected to him. And so he's now worth more. When the original story happens, a woman asked if they were together, and he said, yes, they were. And then Catherine says, will you shut up? That was a quote from him. She told him to shut up about it when they were in Portugal on the vacation, and then he proceeded to tell the world about it on a podcast. And everybody wants... And then when you go and read the internet comments about this story, it is, she shouldn't be offended. It's a joke. No, it was a joke at her expense, not at anybody else's. He wanted the whole world to look and see how wonderful it was and how funny the situation was that other people were imagining that his wife and his coworker were sleeping with him. In that moment, he made her an object to make himself either funny in the context of the spit and, spit and chiclet story or to make him feel like he was awesome and cool when he was in Portugal. That's not okay in the hockey world. That's not okay. That's not okay just at all. But at the same time, when you're trying to grow something and you're trying to tell people they belong, making them objects is not okay. And I understand that when we when we try and grow a community, there's times people are going to say, oh, this is tokenism. You're just bringing in a black person just to have it. But it's got to be about the people that you're actually bringing in. Because they're individuals, their own stories, and their own experiences that are valid. And if you don't say their experiences are valid, then you're just not wanting them in. I mean, that's the thing. You have to be looking at this from the perspective of the person who has historically and currently has less power in the situation. And and that's just something. And again, Ronick, his situation is going to play out as it is. People will be angry about it. People will be saying, yes, it should happen the way it did. I mean, that's... Not ultimately my judgment. I do think NBC made the right call in this situation because if 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 I was at work and someone made these comments about me, like if you're Patrick Sharp 
or if you're Catherine Tappan and someone made those comments about you, would you then want to still go to work every day with this person? Maybe, maybe not. And, and NBC, is it fair for NBC to go to Catherine Tappan and be like, well, we're going to make this your decision whether he keeps his job. I don't know. Maybe I, I hope they didn't do that, but that's, that's, that's a lot to ask of somebody. And, and maybe you're the strong white guy and you're like, nothing offends me and everything's fine. Okay, think about it as somebody who you view as vulnerable if they had to deal with it. Because that was my first experience in realizing that I had to look at the world a different way. Was when my daughter, when she was three and I was watching hockey, said, Daddy, do girls play hockey? And all of a sudden, my mind was opened up to this whole world where this little vulnerable child was looking at a world that was especially when I watch hockey that was built and curated for and catering to white men. And I realized, no, I have to try and see this as much as possible through the lens of someone who this world wasn't built for. Someone who's vulnerable. So that's my take on it. Um, I, if some of you unsubscribe for me after this, I get it. I mean, people don't like hearing things they don't like. This I, I don't talk about things that aren't hockey very often, and this one just shoved its way into hockey. So if you listen all the way through, thank you very much for listening. Um, thank you very much. Have a great night and go blue jackets. This has been the shoot once podcast. Follow us on Twitter at shoot once pod.